Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. Rob, it's November 23rd, 9 p.m. I have to say the time now, because if we did this podcast at any point in time during the day, it could have been different. Uh, yes, you were, when we were talking earlier, you're like, we have to podcast late. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so annoying. Why do we have to do it late? And if we had done it any earlier, we wouldn't know who we're supposed to play now later this week. And we do say supposed to because there is a very good chance it changes again before then. Yeah. We, we, we alluded or we avoided using profanity on our last live episode, which if you didn't tune in, check out the link on YouTube now. You can watch the video of it. We avoided profanity for the kids who are watching. The profanity is coming back. And let me tell you, it's a fucking shit show out there. Oh, baby, is it a shit show. It, shit show, clusterfuck, whatever name you could ascribe to it that involves cursing. It is. It's correct. You're correct to say that. I recommend doing it because there's just no better way to put it. It is. I mean, it's funny. We talked about this on the first podcast we did. We alluded to it last week. And I don't even think we had a good comprehension for just how quickly this was going to start to crumble, but it was impressively fast. We saw programs peer pressuring one another today, Arizona state and then Villanova basically forced Baylor's hand to to withdraw from the tournament. Amazing. Just absolutely amazing. It's it's like a soap opera. It's just, it's insane. The other thing too, is that like with that, then you have like the, the Baylor fans being like, the team didn't test positive. These people in the Northeast and out West are making us quit and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, everything's just so ingrained. Like the whole, all of 2020 is just coming right down the pike at college basketball right now. And you know what? What better way to do it? I mean, I mean, if Let's, you're going to do it, you might as well just go all in. We, we thought it was going to be crazy. And it's so far in like, Day number one of week one is living up to the billing. It's going to be a journey, folks. So well, buckle up. Buckle the fuck up. Here oh, we my go. God. It's All something. Right. So, so, I mean, that's where we're going to start, right? Yeah, cancellations abound. Everyone's, everyone's fucking canceled. There's like 30 teams, whatever. John Rothstein is trying to make people feel better by being like, look, only, 80, only 15% of the games are canceled this week, guys. It's like... Rothstein, chill the fuck out. I know you've been telling everybody this whole entire year that like this too shall pass. It hasn't passed yet. Yeah, just read the room a little bit. Oh my god! But I get it. He's an optimist. I'm an optimist. Kindred spirits a little bit. Neither neither here nor there. You got Duke gets their first game canceled because I think Gardner Webb or whoever they're playing um, got COVID. And so now Duke's game is canceled. Then they were talking about putting Duke in our tournament. And they're like, no, you can't do that because of BC uh, cluster. UConn women had COVID on their team. And like, so that's the best team in the country. Yep. And, and now two weeks of their slate is just wiped out, wiped clean, done. Four yep. games not happening for the UConn women's team. And like, 
and like as I said, thirty teams around the entire college basketball scene, like ten percent of of the league is like sidelined at the moment. And this is week one when everybody's had a chance to like prep their travel, make sure you're quarantined before the season started. Week one. Oh man, it's gonna be something else. Yeah. Oh my god. So given that, should we talk about who we might actually play this weekend? Yeah, yeah. So I want I want I want to unpack. We gotta unpack like the events of what took place with Baylor. Yeah. And our tournament. It's fair. And, it's fair. And by the way, it's called like the Empire 2K Empire Classic, whatever. You, you'll hear this on our podcast all the time. I just refer to it all as turkey tournaments yeah. because like, because like they have like the bad boy mowers classic, the Charles, it's all these fucking crazy names. It's like college. It's like football, college bowls. It's just like, Oh, what bowl am I playing in? What turkey tournament? It doesn't matter who am I playing? It doesn't matter what the fucking sponsor is. But neither here nor there. By the way, I think we're like we're making up for lost fucks on the um, yeah, absolutely on the, on the last podcast. Absolutely. By um, by the way, I think Bad Boy Mowers might be my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> just a, just a great name. It's it's something. It really something. is Bad Boy Mowers, which like obviously it's like lawn mowers. It's like sponsoring a hardwood basketball. There's no there's no grass ever in college basketball. Oh it's or any basketball. It's the Bad Boy Mowers crossover classic. So they have oh. another name in there as well. You you can't yeah. forget it. Yeah. Boom. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, what happened with Baylor? Okay. Start with the beginning. Baylor was supposed to play. Baylor is I don't think so, but Baylor is by a lot of people's consideration the number one team in college basketball this year. Fine. It's not a ridiculous thing to say. No. So everyone's gearing up. They're super jacked up to play. They missed an opportunity to win a national championship last year because the season was cut short. So, like, you got to think all of this is factoring in their head. They're also in Texas. And as we know, Texas has a different philosophy than the Northeast does on coronavirus. Just right, wrong, and different. Not what we're going to debate. Yeah. Not what we're here for, but it just is. Different philosophies. Yeah. Okay, fine. So – so you have all of that going in. Scott Drew, the head coach of Baylor, gets COVID. Tests positive. He says he's feeling fine broadly. He looked, um, a, looked a little COVID-y to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, by the way, Rob's testing. Rob, Rob gets tested pretty often, but like his testing, his initial testing regimen is like, are you feeling COVID-y today? You feel a little COVID-y? Got a little, little covid look to you. <laughs> so anyway, Scott Drew test positive. He says he's feeling mild symptoms, whatever that means. And <laughs> mild symptoms. He's like in a bed, like yeah, clammy. Like, he's like sick. mild yeah. symptoms means some way different things to everybody. Because to me, mild symptoms, I'm like have like a. I had to blow my nose once today. I was like, oh well, that's it, COVID. <laughs> and like to some people, mild symptoms is like a hundred and two fever and yeah. like like basically dying. It's like no, nah, I didn't have to go to the hospital. My. <laughs> Oh, either God. way, either way. So he tests positive. So now the team is going to go to Connecticut because it's Bubbleville, it's Mohegan Sun, whatever. Because where else would you rather be than a casino to take the bet? Are you going to get COVID? Yeah, or not. And he says my team is going to travel without me. None of them have tested positive. They've all tested negative. They're going to go and they're going to play whatever. Arizona State jumps in and I was like and and was like 
uh, no, you're fucking not. <laughs> That's not how this works, Scott Drew. Yeah, yeah. We're not playing now. We're backing out. So now you have this weird thing where head coachless Baylor is going to play. Arizona State has threatened to, 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 to walk out. And now you're left with Villanova and Boston College. Villanova and Boston College are both kind of like, Okay, well, our first game is set, so we're kind of cool on playing. But then realizing quickly thereafter that they can't just take the middle ground, can't take a stance stance, <laughs> they try. and realize that they have to ultimately opine on this thing and basically say, we're not going to play Baylor. <laughs> like, we're not getting out of the court with these guys. Yeah. They're covid We don't want them. <laughs> They're covid Yeah. So, so... So that's how it all takes place. And then all of a sudden, Baylor in the middle of the day, this is happening, by the way, by the hour as the day is progressing. This is not like a, a, a long time coming progression. This is happening every hour. There's an update. So finally, Baylor um, finally says, you know what? Fine. We're out. We're not going to play. Fuck you guys. We're going home. That's right. Yeah. Taking the ball. Arizona State is like, cool, we're back in. <laughs> which, which, and, which, by the way, sorry, we forgot to mention this. During the middle of the day, when Arizona State was saying, we're not going to play Baylor, they were still planning to go to Mohegan Sun because there are a bunch of other tournaments happening. They just figured they would find some other opponent there and pick up a couple games. Just yeah. like, random. this is the world we live in. This doesn't happen prior to 2020. Teams just don't show up across the country and be like, oh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll find somebody to play. Yeah. <laughs> like, that doesn't happen. We'll figure it out, just, right? We'll figure it out. Like, uh, yeah, maybe we'll play the women's team. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, 20, it's 2020. It counts to win, right? Uh, maybe, maybe the RPI is a little lower. I don't know. I mean, on Twitter today, I was collecting a team to try to go up. I mean, <laughs> just head up to Mohegan Sun for the weekend. All right. So – so, so that's how this whole thing progressed. I just feel like that needs to be level set. Yeah, totally. It was fucking ridiculous. It really what was going on throughout the day, hour by hour. Twitter was a mess. And like one thing I love about college basketball Twitter is that every person, like every person in the media, like the college basketball media space loves to um, always opine and talk and whatever and blah, 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 blah. They're constantly going. And then like, a official press release comes and they all come and say the same thing, but it could be like an hour later. Like the guy could have been off taking a shower. Every other person's broken it. And then he comes on Twitter and feels obligated to be like, like Jeff Goodman was like two hours late to the, to the game today. He was like, Oh yeah. Baylor can't play. And it's like, <laughs> like that cool, man. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for tweeting that. Like, like would oh you want God. that on record? Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're excited here today. As you can see, we are jacked up. Yeah. So, so where does that leave us? Baylor's not playing. Now, for a while, it was um, we're playing Boston College and Arizona State was going to play Baylor in the first game on Wednesday. Now, all of a sudden, they're like, hey, what are we going to do with this fourth team? So Empire Classic or Turkey Tournament or whatever is going to be it was, was like, oh, yeah, mystery fourth team, we'll figure it out. So <laughs> – so it's for a little while today, it was just a three-team tournament. And and finally, Rhode Island is hey. the team that they pegged. But the funny thing is, is that Rhode Island was supposed to play in another tournament at Mohegan Sun. 
So like, that's funny. Yeah. So they pulled Mo. So they pulled Rhode Island straight up, lifted Rhode Island, and they were like, "Nope, you're out of this tournament, and you're in this one." Oh wow, I didn't even realize that. That's pretty wild. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell's going on with that, and uh, candidly, I didn't bother to do any research because yeah. it was like fucking bullshit team yeah. playing in that one. So I don't is, care. This is not a Rhode Island pod- podcast. <laughs> no, I don't give a shit who we left behind. Um, so Rhode Island now plays, which, by the way, like I don't think we'll see them, but like I hope we don't play them. Because it's going to be mad confusing to watch them play Villanova. Because Rhode Island's like the only other team I could think of that has white, dark blue, and light blue in their yeah. uniforms. Yeah. It's like us and them. It would be weird to see on the floor. And I could see fans getting confused watching the game. Yes. I'm sure uh, they'll be. I'm sure they'll be very confused. Because so, team, team caliber is very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could just, you don't know what the guys look like, right? Like we're all watching on standard def, right? Yes, totally. Um, but neither here nor there. All right, we, so we got Boston College. That's still happening. It got kicked from 7 p.m. to the 9.30 slot. So now yep. we're playing at 9.30 on Wednesday versus Boston College. And the game before us, we're being preceded by Arizona State and Rhode Island. The winner of that game advances. The winner of our game advances to the... 2K Empire Shootout Classic, whatever Bad Boy Mowers Championship for all the marbles, uh, all the marbles on Thanksgiving. I love it, the big one, as they say. This is the <laughs> this is the trophy you want in your trophy case. Well, it may be the only tournament that happens. This yikes! Year. Yikes! And I'm um, wrong. So, so let's start with Boston College, right? I mean, we got to get into that. It was a, it was all a big setup. Yeah, talk about. We're still playing Boston College on Wednesday at 9.30. Oh, real basketball. Let's go. So first things first, Boston College brings up exciting memories. Boston College is a former Big East team. That's um, a very long time ago. Very long time ago, 15 years ago to be exact. And we had like a 52-24 and 24 record against them all time before they left the Big East. Then the last time we played them was the year after. In 2006, in the Sweet 16 of March Madness that year in 2006. And um, we beat them in overtime by one on a goaltend. We didn't even make the shot. Will Sheridan got the ball underneath the hoop, went up and put it off the glass, and it got blocked, but it was totally a goaltend, not even close. It wasn't even like a debate. There was no like – it wasn't controversy or anything like that. It was just a goaltend. And we won 60 to 59. Will Sheridan said it was the best shot he never made. And that was that. But Randy Foy, who was previously on this podcast, listen to that episode. We talked to Randy Foy earlier this summer, said, uh, put the whole team on his back and like down the stretch, made bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket to take the team and advance us to our first Elite Eight in like. Uh, 18 years or something like that. Something like that. Something yeah. crazy. So that's definitely going to be the outcome that will happen this time around. No. Right? No, no. Since then, Boston College has fucking sucked. They are terrible. They are, we've, they're the epitome of, oh, shit, that moved to the ACC. I hope that works out for you. It didn't work out for you. Worked out in the bank account, not in the fans' hearts. Yeah, that that's much. for sure. That's for sure. Um and if you haven't been paying attention in the intervening 14 years, we've done pretty good. Done all right. 
Yeah, some good things have happened. We may or may not have made it to three Final Fours and won two national championships. Uh, who knows? We okay. want a couple. We want a couple bad boy mowers invitationals in there as well. <laughs> we might have. I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, they're ninety-one in Ken Pomeroy's rankings, which, like, I'm sure he's looking at it and being like, "I don't know what the hell to say about these guys." I mean, who the hell knows what's going to happen this year? So whatever. He's got math. So his math says they're ninety-one. His math says we're number four. His math says that we have an eighty-seven percent chance of winning. So I think we're going to win against Boston College. I think we're going to win. They, they're they not a very good team, like you said. They don't bring back a ton of people from last year. The two guys that they bring back who were like kind of decent, this guy Jay Heath and this guy Stefan Mitchell yeah. are like, okay, like, you know, 13 points, eight points, and it's fine. It's nothing to write, write home about. And they've got they actually this is kind of shocking actually they did stop, sign a four star recruit, which is kind of blows my mind. I don't know what four star recruit is signing for Boston College. I, you point. know, I guess it's like B. I guess it's like, <sighs> hey, you know what? Look, it's in the ACC. I'm going to be in TV, and I'll be the star of the team, and so I'll be the leading scorer. So maybe I get drafted or something like that. I guess. I, yeah. I mean, the, the guy's name freshman Demar Langford is his name. He went to school in New Hampshire, so I mean, maybe I don't know. He's making poor choices out in New Hampshire. So anyway, he's a shooting guard, six foot four. So I, I don't know. Those are the guys to watch out for. None, none of that scares me. I will say this. We've alluded to a lot of benefits to vill- programs like Villanova on other podcasts because of the cohesion that we're bringing back and the fact that our team knows one another, yada, yada, yada. There's definitely going to be an element of rust here and there is a non-zero chance like the game just goes to sh- an absolute shit show and it ends up way closer than it should be. That said, I'm pretty confident between Colin and Justin Moore that these guys will figure it out and we'll get it done even if the game's a mess. But uh, I will say, I think there's a good chance that actually happens. I agree. agree. I think, I think there's a high chance that a lot of college basketball is going to be a cluster in terms of product on the court all all early in the early going, but this is why you have seniors on your team. Yeah, point blank, hundred hundred percent. Point blank, this is why you have seniors on your team. They've done it before. They're going to approach it with a professional mindset, and they're going to go out there, do their routines, and and take control. I do think it could get a little bit weird in the early going. I think by the time the second half gets into full swing, we'll have complete control. I, this is not a game we should be losing um, by any stretch of the imagination. I got to imagine the guys are fired up. This is not like a lollygag around first game of the year type thing. Like when we had last year, I think we played Army and we just blew them out. Like, like, but the guys are still going to come in. They're going to be fired up, happy to play basketball. So will the other team. But at the same time, like we just have so much coming back. Like I agree, this could get a little bit sloppy at first. Jay might try some things to try and figure out what to do. But either way, I, I, this is to me is this is a win. who's um who's your, who's the starting five. Yeah, I think that's actually like I think it's a broader question because because the one thing that we know is that Jay earlier this week said four people are definitely starting, um, and that is Colin. No surprise there, Justin Moore, Jermaine Samuels, and J. Rob Jeremiah Robinson. So you got four guys who definitely are starting. None of that should be a surprise. Those were all the starters last year. 
except for a handful of games where Moore flipped out with um, with Swider, uh, but and then Bay was in there. Uh, so so you have you have the four that you expected. I don't think any of that surprises anybody. Now it just begs the question: Who's going to be the fifth and the sixth and whatever? Who's going and then deeper on the bench? My guess is that the guy who will see the most minutes out of the guys who are not in that top four is Caleb Daniels. But I think he's going to be the sixth man. I think he is going to fit neatly into the Phil Booth 16, Dante DiVincenzo 18, uh, sixth starter role very easily. He is going to be the, he's going to be the microwave off the bench. Um, He is, easily subs out with with either of the guards and and i think he's going to see the ton of the floor but i don't think he starts i think jay is going to opt to go with a slightly taller guy in the starting lineup and then use um caleb to spell some uh spell some rest for colin and justin i do think you'll see three guard lineups um throughout the season and, and throughout the games and even this year i i, I even i'm sorry this week I think you're going to see that. Jay has said many times that he plays the five best players. And one of the things that he, I think he's actually honest about is that he plays the five uh, best yeah. players. Yeah. So I, I do think you will see three guard lineups. I don't think he's going to start a three guard. Yeah. Lineup. No, I'm with you on, on all that. I think the fifth guy ends up being Swider to start. Maybe you see a little Slater mixed in there, but Daniel's absolutely going to be the first guy off the bench. He just fits that mold so well. And I think that's one of the, I don't know. That was one of the things I feel like earlier in the season. And I don't know when, when Jay was going back and forth on, on who was starting last year between whether it was more coming off the bench or more starting. I feel like in the back of Jay's head, when more was starting last year, he was probably looking to the side and be like, Oh fuck. I got Swider coming in as my sixth man right now. Like that's not, that's not yeah. what I'm looking for off the bench. And I think he's excited to have Daniels be playing that role. Yeah, totally. Totally. This is, this is a Jay Wright lineup that he likes. Yeah. I think I think that the fifth starter is a little bit of a mess for him because he, he doesn't know what to do. I think what you'll see is teams that are a little bit better offensively, like opponents who are a little bit better offensively. You'll start to see Slater get more starts. Opponents that are um, not as strong offensively, you might see Swider start. I think against weaker opponents that'll favor Swider. So I think that Swider does get the start only because he started before. Um, I, th- I think that's right. Slater, though, I do think ultimately will prevail as we get to the back half of the season, whenever, whatever, whatever that looks that like, is. or whatever, whatever that may be. I think that Slater ends up prevailing. As the starter. Interesting. Because of his defense. And I think that Jay will, as the season wears on, just want the defensive guy in the starting lineup from the get-go. And if you think back to, like, former years of, like, when you had a guy who was, like, maybe not the best offensively, but but could be counted on to be a blanket defensively. And by the way, Slater hasn't proven that he's a blanket defensively, but... I think he will he, get He's that. shown some flashes of it in the limited minutes that he has, and certainly he has the, the physique to do it. Um, the, the one guy that keeps coming back to my mind about Slater is, is – and I know it's not the same position, he's different size or whatever – is Reggie Redding. Mm. 
um, in 0809. 0809, Reggie Redding was like in in 910. He was pretty. He was he was pretty good offensively. He had he had gotten a rhythm and was pretty decent. But in 0809, Reggie Redding was not yeah, known for his offense. But he had Reynolds out there, um, and he had and he had a lot of guys who could play offense. So he's fine with that. And he ultimately went with Reggie, who people got frustrated with. But Reggie started because Reggie was the defensive juggernaut. So he was be able to guard multiple positions. He was able to guard bigger than himself in the whole nine yards. Slater, I think, is actually better because I think Slater mixes some of that defensive capabilities in theory. Like, like this is obviously all projection because yeah. he hasn't proven it. Um, but he mixes – he mixes that defensive capabilities. He's got some of that length that we talked about in the live pod with D-Ray that McHale had. So he takes all those things that Jay tends to like on the defensive side. I think over time, and as we wear into the Big E schedule, I think you'll see Slater take that role. I like it. Um, Awesome. So we assume we beat BC, then we move on, and what? Likely playing Arizona State? Yeah, so Arizona State's playing Rhode Island, as we talked about. Um, which we've known for like two hours. Um, and and Arizona State is similar to our first game. Arizona State's just the better team. This is the team that's made the tournament most of the last few years. Um, um, Bobby Hurley is the coach and gets good recruits. They have they have a uh, a, a top five recruit. I, I'm sorry, not a top five. They have five an amazing recruit. recruiting class. So they've got they've got a. Yeah, yeah, which is normal. I mean, it, it is literally their best recruiting class in, in their school's history. They have a five-star recruit, and they have a guy who's okay. a borderline five-star recruit. I think he's rated, like, number 30 or something like that in the country. So, like, in addition to bringing back their two top scorers from last year, they're also bringing in some serious talent. So they are really loaded up on the guard side of things. Their two guards they're bringing back were their two um, – uh, their point guard and uh, their shooting guard from last year, Martin and Verge, are basically their two guys. And then the two guys that they added this year, um, their two top recruits that they have are, okay, they've got a shooting guard and one's a small forward. So anyway, they're basically rolling. They're like one to three are really solid. Under Bobby Hurley, what one thing that I've noticed about Arizona State is they tend to start the season hot and then through the back 12, struggle more than you'd expect i expect this team to kind of follow a similar path i mean they got a lot of hot recruits that like i think they're going to come out with their hair on fire this could be a tough this could be a tough second game i mean you know young kids who who are highly ranked and highly rated and athletic who are coming ready to fight and ready to play in a big time matchup nationally televised on thanksgiving i'm I, I would expect a fight here. I, do I think we'll win? Yeah, I do think we'll end up winning that game. Um, but it's purely because we're just going to outlast them with our um, seasoned wit and, and experience. And I think that's going to be I, – I honestly think that's going to be the difference in the game. It's going to be tough. I will say the two guys that I mentioned that they're bringing back are also both seniors. So it's not like we have some huge advantage of having a bunch of seniority. This team as well knows how to play with – knows how to play with one another so i'm with you if the boston college game doesn't end up messy that's awesome if that one doesn't this one definitely will it is going to be an mm-hmm. absolute dogfight. you know what i'm going to go so far as to say 
given our recent track record of slow starts, I think Villanova gets off to another slow start and we pick up a loss to, to Arizona state here. I think it's just going to be, um, it's going to be a challenge for us. It's going to be another learning year. Expectations are high, but we're going to pick up our lumps early on. I think. Does that mean anything for you in the long run? No, not, not this year. I think, you know, the difference obviously from years past is we didn't quite know what to expect and, we figured we'd pick up those lumps and we'd figure out what things are along the way. I think this year there are just so many weird things and external factors happening that you're going to have some of those anomalies. But in this case, I'm not going to read into those much at all just because we have such proven commodities on the floor. Even the young guys like J-Rob are effectively a proven commodity in my mind. You know what you're going to get from him. You know what you're going to get from Justin Moore. You know what you're going to get from Colin. And just having that reliability and those guys being able to rely on one another and know what each other can do and have their confidence. I'm fully confident in this team to right the ship pretty quickly if we do pick up a loss early on. I like it. That's and besides, fair. we can always rebound pretty quickly the week after when we've got some shitty big five opponents coming up. Yeah, or just get COVID and get two weeks <laughs> to call off all basketball activities. That's it. That's it. All right, so a quick Big East look around, right? Because that, that takes care of us. Like, what's going on around the Big East? So you got Creighton. Um, Creighton. Who had a game canceled yeah. already. Well, they're playing South Dakota. You've got the heart and the second heart of COVID country right there. Yeah, someone called it South Dakota, oh. and I was like, yeah, that's oh. pretty accurate. It's very true. It's very true. Yeah. And then you have – so Seton Hall was also supposed to play Baylor this weekend or yeah, something like that? Yeah, I think like it was that. later this weekend, yeah. Seems up. doesn't look doesn't look good. doesn't look good. Looks a little covety. Uh, <laughs> and the I think the only other game of note, Seton Hall stacking up early, is supposed to play Louisville, and Louisville not a ranked team, but they're right outside of the rankings. And you always like to see a little Chris Mack, uh, the clones, the brothers, if you will, Chris Mack and Kevin Willard um, play one another, which could be interesting. Just a couple skinny ball guys, <laughs> yeah, basically. So we'll see if that one happens. I would say. The rest of the Big East, though, there's not really anything of note happening this week. Um, you know, we'll definitely spend some more time on it once the schedule starts to pick up. But unfortunately, in week one, nobody else really doing any much anything that's that's of interest. I mean, Georgetown's probably still just doing Georgetown things, which is pretty terrible. But aside from that, Georgetown sucks. Georgetown sucks. Just throw in a Georgetown dig whenever you can. Why not? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Any chance yeah. you get. Um, one other thing uh, to note is that in the middle of all of this news cycle today, like, and there was a lot of news cycle, not just Villanova. Yes. There was, Mon- today, this Monday was a big news okay. day. Um, <laughs> but the, the, uh, the other thing that Nova drops in the middle of like a planned PR release, clearly, that was just like no one c- put the brakes on because in the middle of the Baylor mess <laughs> was, was, Villanova Athletics just casually drops out. They're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, the students aren't coming to the games this year. Like, no fans at the pavilion. It's not happening. It's just athletes, families, and that's it. Which, by the way, that plan lasted all of, what, like two weeks or something like that? That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Nothing. It means nothing. Uh, It means... I mean, I would say... It, there would have been like some advantage if you have some fan, if you would have just students in there, there could have been some noise. I mean, now it's just going to be practices, right? It's all scrimmages effectively. Yeah. 
It's on television. It's made for television. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Villanova is advantaged by quiet arenas. I like it. Have the families there. They should be there. I'm fine with that. No issues with that whatsoever. And then other than that, I don't think fans should be there. Just the indoor stadiums, it's different. Football? Football, I could understand some arguments to have fans in the stands, not Notre Dame, you know, crashing the field, but like, you know, some fans in the stands outside. But if you're inside, it's just it's just not the right way. I think this begs the question then, do we actually use this as an opportunity to to tear the roof off the pavilion, have this an open air arena, and then we can just redo the pavilion wholeheartedly? I think it's a great idea. I'm going to run this by Father Peter, see if it floats. Yeah, I mean, just what's the big deal? You just did a $60 million renovation. Might as well just start over again. I mean, it's cursed, so it's fine. So, yeah, I, look, I think it's the right move. I don't think there's much to t- say here, but worth noting, yeah. especially given when the press release happened. Then more information happened today, staying with the on-campus things. Yes. So we know that the students are done this week. They go home. They have Thanksgiving. And, and then they take their finals. Um, but also dropped today was the Barstool Dave Portnoy pizza review yes. of Campus Corner. Now, I think we need to pause here for a second because I do think some longtime listeners are going to sit there and say, why is the Full 40 talking about Barstool? And I get it. On Twitter, I don't like Barstool. I'm not a big Barstool guy. I think that the Barstool sports scene, I think that the whole shtick that they have with their fans and calling him El Presidente with Portnoy and the whole nine yards and his press conferences and whatever, he's a douche. Call a spade a spade. Um, and, And the organization is broadly douchey. Call a spade a spade. That being said, I am capable of enjoying one facet and his pizza reviews are funny and I enjoy watching them. Yes. So I just need to preface. I need to put that out there into the ether to preface this entire thing because people are going to be like, why do you even discuss Barstool? Uh, Lots of people like Barstool. So we're going to discuss it because the content's there and it's Villanova. And yes, you do love the pizza reviews. You've liked the pizza reviews for a long time. I do. I do like the pizza reviews. I think they're funny. I think he's got a shtick. And I appreciate someone who sticks to a shtick. I do. So anyway, so they reviewed Campo. This happened last week. We knew this was coming. Um, Finally, the video was edited and put out today. Let's just walk through. Let's just break down the video a little bit. We don't have it up and playing, but we took a little bit of notes and we'll share it with you. I mean, it's like a three-minute video, so we didn't take that many notes. Let's be clear. Yeah, we just had a few pages. No big deal. (laughs) Um, <laughs> just just a whole script of notes. It's fine. <laughs> we wrote the entire <laughs> script in that. Point um, exit's car. Yeah. <laughs> so he walks out, um, and he's basically like, "By the way, this is not in the middle of campus. I thought this would have been in the middle of campus." Which is like, I mean, look, I lived in Delory freshman year, so I was as close to Campus Corner as you could get, and it was still annoying to get there. And I was literally the closest of anyone there, and it was just like. All right, this is this is obnoxiously placed, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's accurately named, and at the same time, kind of far away. It's just yeah. like, like it's funny, like having lived in the city. Like I would be like, oh, that's not a far walk, but like 
in college coming from the burbs, I was just like, oh my God, this is a fucking hike to get over this well, place. Yeah. No, there's no chance. I mean, you live on South, so like, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. But anyway, that, I thought that was a fun, I just thought it was a funny yeah. observation. Um, and then he, he walks out, he smells the pizza, and he's like, oh, it has that collegey pizza smell. <laughs> he comments immediately that it's doughy, and it's like, yeah, that's all accurate. That's all spot on. Um, and then, like, he was approached by this group of girls. And, like, I swear to God, these girls were so stereotypically, like, like Nova girls, like, annoying in the whole nine yards. And, like, not to say that all Nova girls are annoying, but to say that, like, that, that, that type, they were so that type that it was ridiculous. And I couldn't tell. They were from a sorority. I think the girl messed up the name because I thought she said Kappa Kappa Delta, but that's not a sorority that I'm aware of yeah. on campus. So it was either Kappa Delta or Kappa it Kappa was Gamma, some Kappas. I'm guessing. Some form of Kappas happening. Yeah. There were Kappas in and around <laughs> the situation. They all get out. One girl, the only girl who had a mask on. Right, like immediately. She's like, we love you. Like mask comes off. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm in a big uh, crowd. Let me take my uh, ass. Yeah, it's not, it's not the point. Uh, yeah, you know what? Okay, okay. Semester's uh, over. Take it home to your parents. He, he was clearly annoyed by it. By the way, it was like very clear that he would like one. Yeah, nothing to he's do with like, it. oh, hello. How'd you find me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he ends up rating it like a six, six nine. nine, which was like partially funny. If you watch his pizza reviews, his scale is like seven and up. Seven to eight is like serviceable, but you'd never travel out of your way for it. Like six to seven is like decent if you're around, especially if you're drunk or whatever. And then eight and above is like, okay, you got to start making your way to this place out of nowhere. So like according to his scale, I would say it's probably – Right, it's probably a little lower than a six nine. Yeah, I was gonna opinion. say a little lower. Um, it's like because Campco, yeah, like it was fine for fine for drunk pizza, and like yeah, I'm in the mood for pizza. It's the closest place. It was never good. Like I feel no, like it's I was not like good constantly pizza. even disappointed. Then I'd be like, yeah, I'm in the mood for pizza, and get there like, hey, yeah, okay, yeah, it's fine. It, it, it's pizza. pizza. I don't yeah. have to, it's like it's like it's it's, it's yeah, better right, than pizza I'm, in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'll tell you that, but. Yeah, I'm eating dough, sauce, and cheese, yep. and it's not horrible. Yeah. It's pizza. Like, it's like... What would you have rated it? So it's not a 6.9. It's what? 6.6? Six, 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 six? I, I would have probably... No, i probably put it more at, like, the 6.5 six, okay. six, okay. range. Like, like, I don't know. It's, I don't think he's far... And I'm using yeah. his scale of, like, 6 to 7 is, like, fine, whatever, if you're drunk, especially. Like, that's kind of his shtick. So like uh, to me, low mid low to mid sixes, mid sixes is probably fine. I, look, back in the day, there was Garrett Hill, which was better. Like you had a lot of places. I don't want to relitigate the whole thing. I know Zesto's is over there. I think now, like Zesto, their initial location was in Roxborough. That location had good pizza. I don't know about the one by campus. I never had it. Um, is that is that Chris's Grill? But Chris's like. Grill? That was Chris's Grill. So the same owner. So so way back in the day, they owned the, the these this ownership group had a mainline grill, which was literally on Lancaster Avenue. Then they took then they took on, 
and became Chris's Grill, which was near down near Gary Hill Pizza and uh, Flippin' Bailey's. And then they opened Zesto Pizza in Roxborough and then renamed Chris's Grill Zesto Pizza. That's a branding exercise. That's probably not how you should do branding. I'm not a branding expert, but that doesn't seem like the way to do it. I don't even know how I do it. It's quite impressive. You're probably one of like maybe 10 people who know that. Yeah. By the way, though, Chris's Grill back in the day, it was there for like four years, was so good. Oh, what was that sandwich he's got? It was like feta and like grilled cheese. Oh, or no, it was goat cheese, grilled cheese. Oh, so good. Grilled cheese and goat cheese are a big difference. No, no, sorry. It was grilled chicken and goat cheese. I think there's like. Yeah, okay. Well, you called it grilled cheese. And I was like, what was that sandwich? It was a grilled cheese. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, it's been a while. It's It's been a long week. It's been a long year. All right, so that's Barstool. Look, look, I, yeah, is it is it like interesting, fun, notoriety? Yeah, yeah I think you, so. you take it. You take any publicity is good publicity. You want to do a little heart monitor? We haven't done a little heart monitor in the action, and we have a new edition. We do, to the heart we monitor. do. We it was happening right after the live podcast, the NBA draft. I think is is where we got to start with this one getting drafted. What was he? Nineteenth yeah. overall? Something? I think he was nineteenth. He went nineteenth. It was selected by the Nets, but it was the pick was traded to the Pistons. Which for, so he's going to the, the Detroit Pistons, Wayne, Wayne County, Wayne I know County, now, Wayne County, Wayne County. Oh Michigan. my God! Yeah, so Sadiq selected by the Pistons. The Pistons are terrible, absolutely terrible. They were like prior to the um, quarantine last year, they were like twenty and forty six. They're terrible. He should get some decent minutes on the team, and they had it. They've made a bunch they of did. trades. They did. They had a pretty interesting draft. Um, they got three first-round picks. Um, I think Killian Hayes is their big one. But, um, but yeah, he'll, he'll definitely get some minutes. It's not a great situation to be walking into. Um, and certainly the, you know, city-wise, it's not – it's probably not the envy of places to be. It's better than being in Sacramento, that's for sure. Um, oh, my yeah, God. Which we'll get to that in a minute. So, I mean, look, if you're Sadiq Bey, I'll, I'll say this too. From a Villanova fan perspective, sitting here in 2020, complaining about the fact that, one, Sadiq got snubbed by not getting picked in the lottery, and two, he has to go and deal with Detroit. But he then has that first-round money guarantee, and he's the, I think, what, like sixth draft pick in the past like three years, which is just – yeah, it's just like, un- like unbelievable track record. And they were showing some awesome graphics on draft night about, you know, all the Villanova guys coming through. And they were talking about the Villanova reputation of being smart, like heady, tough players. And I was like, that's awesome. I mean, that literally did not exist four years ago. Um, so just to see that track record and that transformation is is amazing. That said, Sadiq definitely got snubbed. There were absolutely some picks ahead of him where you're like, wait a minute, like, what are we drafting on here? Sadiq's a three-point shooter. Yeah. He's a smart guy. He gives you defense. And there were a couple picks, like, right before, too, which were for better teams, would have been better situations. And whoever the analysts were were like, oh, yeah, this would be a great fit for Sadiq Bay, And boom, we're going to pick this guy who's rated, like, five slots lower. It's like, Come on, guys. And uh, our, our intel yeah. on Greg Popovich and the Spurs did not, uh, did not pan out. So, alas, here we are, Sadiq Bay, Detroit Pistons. I do not 
think I'm going to be adding that to my jersey collection, but we'll see. Yeah. No. It's unfortunate. Um, look, I want to pause a second. I put a tweet out on this. It, was, it got picked up. People liked it. But I, I said something. I was like, look, I'm going to add another player from the Big East to this. Bay going to 19, which he should have not been 19, and and then Miles Powell Ugh. not getting drafted, to me says more about the NBA than it does about either of those two players. And and I don't want to get confused here because Rob and I both actually like the NBA. Like this, we're not like those guys who are like, oh, I'll watch college basketball, but the NBA sucks. Blah blah blah. Like okay, go do whatever you people do, but like. But like we like both, we like both sports. Like I like college basketball more because I'm more invested sure. in Villanova. I don't have a particular team that I love in the NBA. Uh, but that being said, I like the NBA. But when people say I like college more than more than the pros, I get it when players who play for winning teams, who are winning players, who are all American type level guys who win national awards don't get drafted immediately in the draft. And like, I get that they are looking for young guns who have high potential in the whole nine yards and whatever. But like the philosophy is kind of screwed up for me because you want guys who are going to help you win in the immediate future. You're going to have a draft every single year. So like, wouldn't you want a guy who maybe the window is not 10 years, maybe it's five years, six, seven years, of which they're going to get to their maturation state in their, in their prime to become that guy and like whatever, help your team win a championship. I, I, to me, like the whole thing's upside down. I don't get the over-reliance on, on, on these all world, like athletes who are unproven, like the first pick of the draft. And I, I, at this point I'm blanking on who it was. Yeah. Anthony Edwards, they were like, Oh, you know, He's got all the skills or whatever, but does he want it? And I'm like, how are you asking <laughs> that about your first pick it's in the so draft? True. How is that a question? And so uh, to me, I think that there needs to be a reasonable back. Everyone needs to take a step back in the NBA and say, hold on, what are we trying to accomplish here? Because I think we get carried away with shiny objects and not focused on good, steady production that will win games in the immediate future. Miles Powell, who he got picked up by, by the, the Knicks, Knicks yeah. I believe. Miles um, Powell will win, help the Knicks win games if he can, if he sees the floor, if he gets to that point. He should have been drafted. He should have been invested I, in. I, I hear you. I hear you. My my push on this is that yeah, you're you're dealing with a an NBA system that's been so focused on that. The good thing in the past few years, especially, is that like the G League has actually come a huge way in terms of player development and actually acting as more of a farm system. So even if you have a guy like Powell who, okay, he got signed, maybe gets kicked down to the G League, you still end up with a chance to kind of work your way back and work into that. Like Hart went through that and um, um, shit, and Arch, Arch went through that. Arch, and, Arch. like, you look at some of the guys who just signed big contracts, like Fred Van Fleet, and, like, there are a lot of guys who have gone from undrafted now of late to make it into the league. So, while, yes, I don't think it's playing out quite as much on the draft front, you do see more of those players making their way in and making their way through a couple of years in the G League and getting a spot in the league. So, 
to that point, I yeah. think Powell's going to have a shot. And again, this isn't a Seton Hall podcast, though I know you'd like it to be sometimes. It is pretty cool to see him with the Knicks. He's paired up with Obi Toppin, who we seem to be getting along with pretty well in, in draft workouts and stuff like that. Um, and look, he's one of, the, one of the few guards that the Knicks have. The, the Knicks love to sign forwards, as we know. So maybe we'll have a chance to, to actually stand out. Should we talk about our other, our other couple guys on the hard monitor? Yeah, so, so speaking of Knicks and forwards, Omari yep. gets traded and moves on to yeah. the Knicks. Rough situation for Omari. Fourth team in three years. Dude has bounced around. You hoped last year. looked like he was getting some good minutes with Golden State and then unfortunately got traded partway through the season over to Minnesota where he got promptly shipped to the G League. So it's going to be, I'll be honest, I'll be surprised if he, if he makes the, the Knicks roster. Wouldn't surprise me if he ends up back in Westchester on their G League tra- G League team, trying to make it back. And I mean, I think for so much of Omari's career, it really comes down to conditioning and being ready when he has the opportunity. From some of the videos I've seen online in the off season, that may be another challenge for him this year. I hope that's. I hope I'm wrong on that front, but I just think so much of, of his success is really dependent on his conditioning. If he comes in at, at 240 and 250, what he's playing at at Golden State, he's probably got a shot. If he's coming in at 280, no chance. Hard to disagree. I mean, look, the guy's got the tools. We've seen it. Like when he's in, when he's in good shape, he can stretch it out. He can shoot the J. Like, and the Knicks can use a guy yeah. like that. Um, but it's just, it, it's, it's really conditioning. It's, it's that next level of maturity. I do think he ends up getting there eventually. It's hard to remember sometimes that he's like 22, 23, 24. Like he's not, he's not an old guy. So like he's got yeah. time, but he's now in the three year, four year window. Where like if he doesn't start figuring it out soon, he's just never gonna yeah, stay. No, totally, totally. You don't, you don't, you don't like get to twenty eight and then advance. It's not like the major league baseball where you could somehow get to twenty seven, twenty eight, and then all of a sudden pop out of the minor leagues and, and wind up in, in <laughs> totally. the majors. It doesn't happen. Um, and then and then finally we got to talk. We, we said on the live podcast that Dante got shipped out to Sacramento and we felt bad. Except, boom! Like moments later, that fell through. And Dante's still on He's the still box. on the box. I mean, talk about the winner of, uh, of draft night is right there. From having to potentially live in Sacramento and play for that shit team to staying on in Milwaukee, which, like, Milwaukee's a fine city. It's better than Sacramento. And playing on a championship contender, sign me up. I mean, that's, that's awesome. Good for him. He was absolutely the biggest winner for Villanova on draft night. Totally. Good stuff. Totally. All right. All right. Final, final segment. It's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, we know it's a crazy, fucked up year. A lot of people aren't seeing their family. I know, Rob, you're not. You, you, you just killed all plans yep. off with your fam. I, have, I am fortunate enough to not have air travel. Um, and all of my family went and got tested this week. So I will be doing that, although I'll probably wear a mask. Um, but like, so it's going to be awkward no matter what. Thanksgiving is going to be weird. It's going to be fucked up. Christmas is going to be fucked up too. Look, 
it is a time to take a step back and to say thank you and to be and to think about what we're thankful for. 2020 hasn't given us a lot of that, but sometimes perspective is important and matters. Um, so what are we thankful for here on the full 40? Number one, basketball seems to be happening. As much as all of this crazy shit is taking place, it does seem like there is a contingent of the willing people who want to make this happen, including the players, as we learned from talking to D-Ray last week, including the players, they want to play. And I think that there is all efforts being made full stop to make basketball happen this year. So I'm thankful. Absolutely. hundred percent. Um, and I think I'm going to wrap it up and say, I'm thankful for um, the Holy Trinity. And to be clear, the Holy Trinity is uh, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and Moderna. Uh, yes, the Pfizer, the Moderna, the AstraZeneca. Yes, yes. amen. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, baby. Get that vaccine out to me. If you can take two doses, I think that makes it doubly effective. So I'll do, Inject I'll do that, that shit in my, in my veins all day. But, but for real, but for real, <laughs> yes. literally in yes, my veins. Please, like whenever you can get it to me. Um, that would be amazing. But yes, um, Kudos to all the, um, and thank you to all the scientists out there who actually developed that. We need that. Let's get back life to normal. And of course, a thank you to all of the frontline workers who have been sacrificing their time, health, et cetera, to keep everybody safe. But uh, including, including, we have plenty of Villanova nurses. So including the nurses coming from, from, from absolutely, those. absolutely. But yeah, hell of a year. Um, hopefully it, uh, it picks up, uh, picks up steam and, and maybe not excitement for the last couple months, but we'll see. Yeah. So before we sign off, what do we have to look forward to after Thanksgiving and the Turkey tournament, we'll be back with a recap yep. of what, whatever happens, whoever we end up playing. Um, and, and then we will be, um, previewing the upcoming game against St. Joe's and Temple. Uh, in their next podcast. So hopefully next weekend we get this to you. We get out another podcast to you. As for now, though, that's all we got. Hit us up on Twitter at the full 40 Instagram at the full 40. Follow us on either social media platform. We really thank you for listening. We appreciate it. I know you don't, many of you don't have commutes and stuff like that. So you're listening on your free time in the middle of the day or whenever you get a chance while you're working or whatever. So we definitely appreciate your listenership. So with that being said, thank you for everybody. Have a wonderful, happy, safe, healthy Thanksgiving. And as always, let's go Nova.